0: The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you. Wow, what a good crowd this morning. Uh, You know, I texted Tracy earlier, and I don't think he got my text. I said, it would be perfect if you could just crank up the heat, let some goats loose and some chickens, and then I would be comfortable. But he didn't, and I'm nervous up here now because I don't have my natural... uh, my natural settings. Um, it is so good uh, to be with you. I've been looking forward to this this morning for quite some time. And as I told the uh, the earlier the old, earlier bunch, Carrie and I stayed up awful late last night because we were driving around Shreveport trying to put this video together. So, um, yeah, you know that's a joke. Those those pictures didn't come from from Shreveport. Uh, this morning. Carrie and I and our, our family, I have uh, Carrie and all of my boys um, uh, with me. And we just want to let you know that we are very thankful for Norse Ferry. Um, I don't know if you are aware, um, but your church um, gave $18,000 to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering this year. And I, I feel like I need to explain just a little bit about what that actually means Uh, Because throughout the years, I've learned that um, the term Lottie Moon Christmas offering is not as popular in in, in Baptist churches um, as it once was. Every year, um, you give money towards the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And that money, 100% of that money, goes to support Southern Baptist missionaries throughout the world. Uh, I don't know the number, you know, because the number uh, recently decreased quite a bit, but there's probably at least still 4,000, and our family is one of those. And so you completely support us because we're your missionaries. You are a Southern Baptist church, and when you give to that offering, you are supporting your missionaries. The vehicle that you saw, the house that you saw, children's education, medical, all of that is you cover for over 4,000 missionaries through that one single offering. So we want to thank you. Thank you so much for, for doing that. In 2011 Tracy and, and David Ham came to visit us. And that visit was supposed to be a time where um, they would come and see the work. They would come and look at the ministry. And they would reflect on it and ask God to... Um, Ask God, what is it that Norris Ferry, how does Norris Ferry need to become involved? Or, does Norris Ferry even need to become involved at all? So, they came over to seek God's will uh, in, 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 that, in that. Well, we didn't really know what the, the answer was going to be. We thought they had a great time and they, they saw some pretty powerful things that God did uh, during their week. But they came back to you and they presented a mission opportunity, a partnership opportunity for you as a church to vote on. What I did tell Tracy is please don't go back and say what we, the Lewises, want is you to come over and check the box and say we as a church have been to South Sudan. We want a long-term commitment. We want a solid commitment from this church. Well, you voted and we are thrilled Uh, of your answer. We're thrilled that you decided uh, to partner with us in the Teposa and it has been an amazing journey. Back in 2004 was my first mission trip to Africa and that's when God completely changed my life. Absolutely from the ground up changed my life and from that point I knew that one day I would be in Africa serving on the mission field. I didn't know exactly where or how or when but I knew it would happen. And two years later, the same thing happened for Carrie on a short-term trip to Tanzania. He spoke to her in a powerful way. And in 2009, we found ourselves boarding a small aircraft and landing in the middle of nowhere on a dirt airstrip in a place called South Sudan. And so since then, God has held us in the palm of His hand. He has provided for us. He has protected us. And we have seen Him do just miraculous things. And we are blessed to just be a part of what He is doing. This morning, I want to share some highlights that come to mind as I think about the last few years of Norris Ferry coming over and partnering with us. I was counting the other night, and I think the number is 20. 20 of you have come over uh, to do ministry among the Tapos with us. 20 of you um, in this church, and many of you have come multiple times. Um, I think some of you have come three, four, and five times And it makes the Taposa smile because, you see, they remember your face. They remember your name. As a matter of fact, you're given a Taposa name when you come. And so they never forget your name. I always forget your Taposa name. But they never do. They see you. They ask about you constantly until you come back. So if you've only come once and you haven't come back, you need to hurry and, and come on back over because they are wanting you to come back. But I've been thinking about some highlights of just... Maybe times where um, I have been moved and to, just to see how God has worked as a result of you coming over. So I'm going to read these off. And for those of you who have come over, you're gonna, you're, when you hear this, I hope you get a flashback. Because I do as I sit here and read these. Wa- uh, watching baptisms in a nearby stream. Spending hours in knee-deep water and mud, winching the vehicle out. I know you won't forget that one. Walking many miles late at night to listen to a new Toposa believer teach. Scott, I know you'll never forget that one. Praying over the sick and watching the healing power of God. Building a new hut for one of the leaders after his wife and newborn child died during childbirth. Leading Toposa to Christ in the middle of a flash flood. Praying for the Teposa and a nearby tribe as they clash in the middle of the night as it is happening. Rescuing our land cruiser from a flooding river. I know Mark Pearson's not here, but he will never, ever forget that. <laughs> Teaching in the midst of Persecution. And then going by going to a under a nearby tree and just breaking down, knowing the lostness in that village. Moving an entire village after it was devastated by fire. I don't think you'll ever forget that one. Watching the smiles on the faces of the Taposa as their water wells were being repaired. New believers coming to receive a solar-powered Bible. And then looking at your faces. On the picture as you are the ones who gave the money and you are the ones who committed to praying for them. And then smiles on the Teposa faces as they see you again, remembering you from a previous journey. I wish I had the time this morning to just tell you the full story behind every one of those highlights. I don't, but you see, those highlights would not have been possible if you Norris Ferry would not have come over if you, Norris Ferry, have not given generously. If you, Norris Ferry, have not been here praying for the toposa. I want to share with you a little bit about uh, the toposa and sort of, of of what we're doing. Um, for those of you who don't know, Karkamugi is a very large region, uh, kind of like Shreveport, Bossier. Um, there's about 30,000 toposa that live in this area. Um, it looks like West Texas. There are just small trees. No water and just land that goes for days. Um, there's between 80 and 90 round um, villages um, filled with many, many huts um, that uh, make up Karkamugi. And our strategy there is to facilitate and start indigenous, indigenous reproducible Toposa churches. That's a mouthful to say, so let me explain. Reproducible churches. First, let's understand that a church is not a building. Church... Uh, as defined in Acts chapter 2 is a group of believers that gather together. So that's what we are looking for. We are looking for groups of Toposa believers that are gathering together, uh, always under a tree. Sometimes it may be in a school building if there happens to be one close by, but typically it's under a tree. Reproducible. What we mean by that is we have to go in and at least teach them, but then we step back. And when we leave one day, we want this process to continue without us, without the Westerners. So we want the toposa to continue to reproduce church. And then indigenous. And basically what that means is we don't want to go and import our Western ways. Because all of this stuff that you see in this building and these lights, that doesn't exist where they live so they need to understand this is American church. This is not Toposa church. So we don't want to go over and import any Western ideas. We want it to be their church, their music, their ideas, their style of dance, whatever they want to do as long as it holds true to what God's word says about church. So having said that, it looks a little bit different over there. We're under trees, we're sitting on the ground, we're clapping, we're singing the same song many, 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 many times. But it's DePosa, they're worshiping the same God that we are here worshiping this morning. There are many, many challenges that the DePosa are facing that I want to explain to you this morning. And it gives you a better idea of how to pray. Uh, number one, there are many, many attacks by the G.A. That is a neighboring tribe of the toposa. For those that you have, that have been before, you've heard the term G.A. Because almost every time you come, there is a little bit of talk moving all through the villages that the G.A. are coming. The G.A. have been here. The G.A. are moving around. The G.A. are coming to steal the cattle from the toposa. And the Teposa are stealing cattle from the G.A. And when they come and steal cattle, it's not like going to your neighbor and putting a rope around a cow and dragging him back to your house. They come in with the guns, the guns that you saw on that video, and they shoot people. And when they get through shooting people, they take the cows and they go back to their village. And then guess what happens about two weeks later? It's revenge. The same thing happens. This has been a cycle in South Sudan, among the cattle herders for hundreds of years. Lack of grass for the cattle. Uh, there, are many, there are many, many months where we have no rain. And when we have no rain, that means no grass. And I'm not a farmer, and I don't know a lot about grass and cows, but you know, a thousand head of cattle can eat a small patch of green grass pretty quick. And so when all of the cows are around, they consume all of the grass, it stops raining, everything dries up, and then there's nothing for the cows to eat. So the Taposa men have to take their cows a far, far distance to go to the base of the mountains to find water and green grass. Well, when they do that, the believers are off with their cows. So sometimes when I show up on Tuesdays, the men that are supposed to be there... They aren't there because their obligation is to take care of their animals. That's their livelihood. So you can be praying for peace among the GA and the Toposa. You can be praying uh, for rains to come. When when we send prayer requests and say, you know, pray for rain, that is what that means. Uh, Yes, they need rain to cool things off and they need water to drink, but they need rain for their cows so that people will stay close, especially the believers, so that they can be taught. And then remoteness from other believers. And that is a big deal because Karkamugi is a very spread out area. And the next region of Toposa is far away from there. And so, so there are not many, many believers in Karkamugi. So when they face issues and problems, they need other like-minded believers. Kind of like Norris Ferry. You see, when, when you are going through problems, you have a church family that is there with you. Uh, to huddle around, to pray with you, to hold your hand. And that's what the Teposah need too. God loves them like He loves you, and that's what they need. They need a fellowship, a group of believers to surround them and to help them through their daily problems. So you can be praying for that. I want to share a few stories with you this morning that um, I love to tell stories because um, everything that happens in Teposah land turns into A story. And so this morning, um, I want to share with you a story of persecution. Now, when you hear the word persecution, um, you're probably hearing things from CNN and and seeing things on the Internet. You're seeing believers that are hung in the streets for following Jesus. Um, You're thinking about maybe people that have been put in prison for long periods of time for saying yes to following Jesus. We're not seeing that type of persecution into postal land. Um, But we are seeing persecution. We are seeing believers removed from villages. Um, We are seeing young girls being beaten by their families uh, for saying yes to Jesus. Um, We are seeing um, sort of like what maybe you young people see um, is ridicule um, from your friends when you want to be different and you want to follow Jesus. So this story is about... Uh, a young man uh, named Joseph who lives in Mogos. For all of you in here that are about to enter college, I really want you to pay attention to this story because I think you can get something out of it. Um, This past summer, uh, we invited six college students to come and spend seven weeks among the Toposa, sleeping on the ground, cooking over an open fire. Many, many opportunities each one of them had They could have made money over the summer. They could have gone to summer school, um, just probably slept, hung out with their friends. But they decided that they wanted to come to South Sudan, and that's exactly what they did. And I basically had one thing that I wanted them to go home. I said, when you go home, I want you to be worn out. I want you to give everything you have during the seven weeks to reach in the Teposa. I want you to invest everything that you have into some of these young men. And that's exactly what they did. And one of these young men, his name is Joseph. They met Joseph. He was full of witchcraft. He was not a believer. He had never heard of Jesus. And they slowly went in and started telling him stories from the Bible. One day they told him the story of creation to church. It's a simple gospel presentation. And he accepted Jesus. He cut all of his witchcraft off. And he said, yes, I want to follow Jesus. And so then they taught him how to share creation to church with his family and with his friends and said, now it is your responsibility to go and share this with others. And he took that responsibility. And so the next day they went back to see him and he said, I've got great news. He said, my father, who is about 70 years old, accepted Christ. And he said, my brother and some young girls in the village and oh, we were excited. So we go into his village, and there's a great tree in the middle, and we start dancing and jumping and clapping. And when you do that over there, many, many people come. And they get excited. They don't know why they're excited, but they get excited because everybody's jumping and clapping. And so they're at least coming to hear well, what's going on. So I wanted to teach a lesson on baptism. What does baptism mean? What does it not mean? And I started off the lesson, and all of a sudden, this old Taposa man covered. In the intestines of a goat comes running out. And he's screaming and hollering, shaking his finger. And he doesn't want us in his village. You see, he's one of the respected elders in the village. And we were taking uh, what he thought was the power away from him. And he didn't like it. And he said, nobody from here is going to be baptized unless you come and beg from me. So I knew trouble was about to happen. I knew persecution was about to happen. And so Joseph basically had a decision that he could make. He could either stand firm in his, in his decision to follow Christ and the teachings that we have just given him, or he could come back on the other side and say, I'm going to continue my old traditional uh, Taposa ways, and I'm going to listen to this old man. You see, he had to count the cost, and he decided that he would take these new believers down to the mud puddle. That's basically what it was. It was a mud puddle. And baptized them. So we all, single file, marched down to the mud puddle. This little man was right behind him, just screaming, just hollering, saying, You can't do it, you can't do it, I won't allow it. One of the Toposa believers that was with us baptized Joseph and said, Now, it is your responsibility to baptize those that you have led to the Lord. Joseph got in the water with that man staring at him, screaming, and he baptized them. But I knew it wasn't over because, you see, I would go back to my house and Joseph had to return back to his village with that man. And so I went back about a week later just to check on things to see how he was doing. And sure enough, he had been persecuted. Um, He had not been removed from the village to live, but no longer could he worship uh, under that tree in his village. So he was removed and he had to worship under a tree outside of his village. But all of this was no surprise to God. You see, what happened is now other villages that didn't really want to come inside of his village were now gathering under the new tree. And so there were many Toposa believers that were coming together uh, and praying under that tree in the midst of persecution. Another story I want to share with you is about... Another Joseph. You see in Toposa land, there are many, many, many Josephs. Um, So we'll just call him Lotabai because that's his other name. Lotabai is probably the most committed Toposa believer that I have ever met. Um, He has been through so much. And the day that he signed on the dotted line and said, yes, I want to be a believer, he has never, ever wavered. He has stood so strong in the midst of persecution. And... Joseph's story goes like this. Uh, I was inside of our compound in one of the huts and I was teaching and I had a large group of men and one of Joseph's friends was in there. And Lotabai comes walking by the gate and he kind of puts his ear and he's not interested and he goes back home. Well, the next day he shows up again and he's listening and he's not interested. Well, apparently Joseph had a dream and we learned this about a year later But Joseph returned and he came inside and he sat down and it took him several days before we could tell that he was paying attention. And then we could tell something happened. Something clicked and he started paying attention. And one day uh, under that hut, he accepted Christ and he cut all of his witchcraft off. And he said, no longer do I want to be a part of what I've been doing. You see, when Joseph stood up and told his testimony, we've all heard testimonies before testimonies that were powerful. I had never heard a testimony like this before because he stood up and I basically one day said, we're gonna, I'm going to teach you how to share your testimony. What was your life like uh, before Christ? How did you accept Christ? And then now, how was your life changed as a result? Well, Joseph stood up and said, Well, um, I was an adulterer. I was a murderer. I was this and this and this. And I'm like, oh, wow, I've never been a part of a testimony quite like this before. And he said, but you shared what it was like to accept Jesus and how he changes your life. And I accepted Jesus. And now no longer do I do these things. No longer do I have the desire to go raid cows and kill people and steal things and sleep with other women. God has changed me. And from that day on, he has completely, completely been changed But persecution still continues for Lotabai because when he goes back to his village, all of the old men, all of the respected elders can no longer look him in the eye and give Joseph respect because he will not raid cows anymore. You see, he will not bring them any more wealth. Joseph has made a decision. He has counted the cost and no longer does he want to follow the traditional to ways. He wants to follow the ways of Christ. If you have your Bible this morning, if you would turn to uh, Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 27. It says, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, your wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. You see, when I read that, the things that I think about are this. Following Jesus calls for a commitment. A commitment to follow Him and nothing and nobody else. The Taposa are starting slowly to understand what that commitment looks like. To being a 100% Christ follower, not a 95% Christ follower. Following Jesus calls for giving up selfish desires. You know, I think we all... ...have some selfish desires. We probably don't really want to stand up and raise our hands and start talking about them. But we all, inside of us, have some selfish desires that if we look deep enough, we know we need to get rid of. Because we can't have these selfish desires and continue to be a 100% follower of Christ. And then following Jesus calls for sacrifice and suffering... Maybe the sacrifice is financial for you. Maybe sacrifice for you is your time. Um, maybe suffering for you is giving up something that you have for Jesus. I'm going to tell you another story. and When I do, um, we're going to have a small invitation. Not an invitation for you to come forward um, after the service. Um, if you wanted to come forward, I want you to come see me or, or come see Tracy but what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you a question. that question is going to be, have you counted the cost follow following Jesus? Is there anything in your life that you need to give up to be a 100% follower of Christ this morning? But before I do that, I want to end with this story. A story that really summarizes um, our ministry. The ministry that God has given us in South Sudan among the Toposa. The last time that that you that you came and visited, it was uh, who was it? Tracy and David, uh, Robert, who else was on that? And Jared. Um, you see, I get the opportunity to see um, you guys present the gospel and love on the Toposa. And um, this time, I was sitting on the dirt, and they just got through sharing some stories. And they got to the time where they needed to do an invitation. And they presented creation to church uh, in just a beautiful way. But this time I really wasn't listening to what they were saying. All I was focused on were the eyes and the faces of the Taposa that they were talking to. And as they were talking and they gave the invitation several of the toposa men and women stood up. And what we do is we make them stand in front of their peers, their family and their friends, get in front of everybody. Uh, because we want this decision to be real. We, we, we really want them to have to uh, grasp deep inside. And as they were standing up, um, we told them that in order to be a Christ follower, you're going to have to get rid of some things. And for the Taposa, that number one thing is the witchcraft that they wear. Now, when that was told to them, you could start seeing their eyes start shifting around to their family, to their friends, because you see, they were counting the cost of following Jesus. What they know and what you don't know is, when they rip this witchcraft off and throw it on the ground to be burned, when their sorghum, when their their crops fail, it's their fault. When their child gets sick... It is their fault. When the rain stop, it is their fault. Basically, anything that bad happens from that day forward, it's their fault. And they get the blame and they get beaten and they get persecuted. You see, so when they cut this off and throw it on the ground to be burned, they have counted the cost of following Jesus. They have made the commitment that Jesus is talking about in this verse. So one by one, they would reach and they would tear this witchcraft and they were looking at their family and they were looking at their friends. And you could see the look on their face once they finally got rid of it. As we were singing earlier, chains being broken. You see, the chains, those heavy chains that they have been wearing for years and years and years are now being broken. And they're free from sin. Because of what Jesus did on this cross, they are free from sin. One by one by one, the Taposa are slowly starting to understand what it means to follow Jesus and be a committed follower and allowing Him to be Lord of their life. You see, that is a big part of it, allowing Him to be Lord of their life. He's in charge and they're not in charge anymore. So this morning as we close, often as I do in Teposa Land, um, I have told the story, I have presented the gospel, and in the dirt, because there's plenty of dirt, there's carpet here, so I can't quite do it this morning. Um, But I usually draw a large circle with my foot in the dirt. And then I ask the question, is there any of you that wants to become a follower of Jesus? And in order for that to happen this morning, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to cut, up, cut off all of your witchcraft. And you're going to have to place it in this circle. And then we're going to burn it. Well, I, I can pretty much guess that nobody in here this morning is wearing witchcraft. But you know, we all have selfish desires inside of us, don't we? We all have things that keep us from being a 100% follower of Christ. We all have that something in our life that we are placing more importance on than following Jesus. You see, making a commitment to follow Christ is more than standing up out of your chair and coming down and raising your hand and saying, Yes, I want to be a follower of Christ. Yes, you can do it that way. But being a follower of Christ calls for counting the cost. And yes, there's going to be persecution. We see in God's word that when somebody accepts Christ and then there's persecution, what do we see next? The kingdom of God explodes and grows. It's doing that in South Sudan among the Toposa, And it can do that here in Shreveport. There was a day when we could say, you know, America really doesn't need all that. You need to go to Africa because that's what they need. Ladies and gentlemen, I think the roles are reversing here. America is going just like this. And America needs the gospel, the same gospel that the Toposa need in Africa and those need in India and all around the world. So would you close your eyes for me just a second? Let's pray. Father God, I, I know you are here with us. You are everywhere we go. And Lord, I know that there are those inside of This beautiful building this morning as we freely worship you. There are those that are struggling with sin. Other issues in their life. And God they just need a helping hand from you. Lord they need to be touched by you. God they need to understand that. There are things in their life that they need to give up. In order to be a 100% Christ follower. So Lord I pray this morning that. You would just touch. Hearts in this room. God that. We could leave here out of this place changed. Changed because we listened. To your word. Changed because. You touched us. because of our desire to be a follower of you. Lord, sometimes we don't like to leave worship being convicted. We always want to leave encouraged, but sometimes, God, we need to leave convicted. We all have sin in our lives. God, I pray this morning that you would just move in a mighty way. That you would convict those that need convicting. Touch those that need touching. Heal wounds that are in this place. Marriages, families, finance, school, jobs. The list goes on and on. God, I'm standing here just by grace, Lord. You saved me years ago. God, you called me. In 2004 and made it clear that I was supposed to serve you in South Sudan, Africa. And you called my wife two years later. And God, it's only by your grace and your love and your mercy that you have used us as vessels. Your word tells us that we are all to be on mission for you. Your word tells us that we can't, as believers, be on the sidelines watching and waiting. So, Lord, I ask this morning, God, I plead with you that you would touch hearts in this place. God, let us be on fire for the things that you desire and the things that you love. May you move in a mighty way.